Well, good morning. Welcome to the Vine. Good, so good to see you guys. I've been out for a little bit on vacation. It's so good to be back and so thankful for what God is doing here at our church and for God's word that guides us, that he hears us, that he's revealed himself to us. And we come this morning and we submit to him in his word. That's a joy to get to do that every week. And so um, I'm just excited for what God has for us today. Um, our, 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 our service today is just a little bit different because at the end of the service we're going to have um, just a short little vision kind of snippet uh, where the elders are going to come up and just share a little bit about where we want to be heading. Um, my, my preaching as a result is going to be a little shorter um, I have documentable evidence of that. Typically, I have 12 pages. Today, I have seven. So if I get going, you guys got to cut me off because we got to do uh, some important stuff at the end of the service today. Um, all right, so let's see. We are in Exodus chapter 19, and this is week three of a series in the Ten Commandments. I'm sorry, not 19. We're in Exodus chapter 20. And this is week three of a 10-week series on the Ten Commandments. And so as a result, I'm going to be speaking on the Third Commandment, okay? And so if you have a Bible, open up to Exodus 20, starting in verse 7. Exodus 20, starting in verse 7. Here's the deal. The Bible talks a lot about our words. And our words have power. The book of James says our words can be like a fire that can take down a whole forest, set it aflame, and destroy acres and acres and acres of a forest land. That's a metaphor for the power of our words. Biblically speaking, if you read the Proverbs, I was reading the Proverbs this morning, and the, and the Proverbs has so much to say about our words And our words have consequences. Our words have profound consequences for blessing, the massive potential for blessing. You can use your words to change someone's life for good. And also the opposite can tragically happen. You can use your words to ruin somebody's life. The Proverbs talks about both. Our words have power. And today we're going to be looking at the third commandment in Exodus 20. But it's not about words in general. It's about how we use our words specifically to talk about God. Okay? What should that be like? How should we feel? How should we reference God? Just real, real simply, how do we talk about God? How should we talk about the God of the universe? How should we speak about him? And, and, and there's a lot we could say about that. But verse 7 says something fairly short that we're going to unpack this morning. Look at verse 7. This is the third commandment of God speaking to his saved people. So if you've been saved, then you're going to want this to be a reflection of your life. You're not trying to earn anything. It's done. You are saved. That's what he's saying to his saved, redeemed people. And if you're saved, you're going to want to take this seriously. Verse 7 says, You shall not take 
the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why? Well, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's a pretty heavy statement. Let me read it again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why? Comma, for. Oh, here's the reason why. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So let's unpack this a little bit. Now, as I was studying this this week, it struck me that there's some language here just in this one verse that might be confusing or unclear because it was confusing or unclear to me. Why? Because the phrase taking something in vain, I don't know about you guys, but that's not, that's not something I, I say in, in my common language, right? What does it mean to take something in vain? So we've got to unpack that if we really want to understand what God is, is getting at here for us. So what did I do? Well, I just looked it up, right? That's the ease of the internet. What does this mean? Type it in, and there's an online dictionary that tells me To take someone's name in vain is to, quote, use someone's name in a way that shows a lack of respect. To use someone's name in a way that shows a lack of respect. So I want us to hold this definition in our minds as as we continue this morning. Use someone's name in a way that shows lack of respect. So let's apply that definition to verse 7. You shall not use God's name in a way that shows lack of respect. Why? Well, because, or for, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who uses his name in a way that shows a lack of respect. So one question that I want to unfold and then we'll be done, okay? Why would God put this command in his top ten? Why is God so serious about this? Well, this is number three on the list for his saved people to, to, to live a life that's pleasing to him and that shows that they love him. You shall not use God's name in a way that shows lack of respect, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who uses his name in a way that shows a lack of respect for him. Well, for us to understand this, we have to know a bit about what the Bible says about, quote, the name of the Lord, okay? The name of God. So this is a key idea for us to just simply understand. Let me just teach you this real quick, okay? For some of you, this will be reviewed. For some of you, this will be new, okay? See, when the Bible talks about, quote, the name of the Lord or the name of God, what it's referring to is just God himself, Okay, so what what does that mean? Well, let me show you. It means that when you read a couple passages like this, like we see in the Psalms, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Next Psalm, 116. Then I called on the, here, here it is again, name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. So what that means is not that saying the word Lord, like the English word Lord or Yahweh or Jesus is like the the word in itself like is magical. 
That's not what this means. Like, like, like some type of, like uh, we've been reading Harry Potter as a family, so I'm thinking like, Harry Potter, you've got to have the right words to get the spell to work, right? It's all about saying the right words in the right way or something. I, I don't know how it all works in the Harry Potter universe, but, that, but you get what I'm saying, right? If you just say the right magic words, then you get results like, like in, um, uh, oh, forget that. That's a ba- bad, bad example. Um, sometimes in the moment in preaching, you just want to go for it. I, that was not one of the times. Um, uh, so, so that's not what this means when it talks about, quote, the name of the Lord. When the psalmist says, like we've seen here, our help is in the name of the Lord, or I called on the name of the Lord, what he means is, is that, quote, the name of the Lord is just synonymous for God himself. The name of the Lord is just a signpost for all that God is and all that he's done. It's the essence of who he is, okay? So this is, I'm, I'm trying not to make this too philosophical or more complicated than it is. This is very simple. So let me give you an example. So my name is Zach Nielsen. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I am married to Kim. I have four kids. And so if you call upon the name of Zach Nielsen in Madison, Wisconsin, what does that mean? Well, don't, 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 don't think too hard about it. It just means that you're calling me, Right? I called upon the name of Zach just means I called out to Zach. My name is just a reference. It's it's, it's, it's a verbal thing that comes out of our mouths. All it is is just a reference to what? To the essence of who I am as a person. Does that make sense? So in the same way here, the name of the Lord just means the essence of who God is. You feel that? Does that make sense? So when you hear Zach Nielsen, you think pastor at the Vine, husband to Kim, father of four, likes to play music, likes to build tables, whatever, whatever, whatever. The, the name Zach Nielsen brings to mind who I am, the essence of who I am. So, so here's the deal. When you hear the word Yahweh, when you hear the word Jesus, when you hear the word Holy Spirit, when you hear Lion of the tribe of Judah, what, what, should, you, what should you be thinking? The name of God should correspond to thoughts about the essence of who God is as he's revealed himself in his word. You with me? So, when the Bible talks about the name of the Lord, it just means the Lord. God's name is just a word that should remind you of all that he is and what he has done. So, all that to explain, all that to teach you, just one, that concept to be clear— all that to say, when you hear someone use the name of Jesus as a swear word to express how angry they are, that should grate on our ears in the worst possible way. Does that make sense now? It should grieve us deeply. Why? Because if any name should be used flippantly or lightly or dismissively, it should never be The word Jesus. Why? Because what does the word Jesus represent? It represents Savior, Healer, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. At at his name, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. You feel the gravity of that? 
You start to feel what, what the Lord's getting at here in, 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 in number three on the list. See, if you know that he's king of kings and lord of lords and creator of the universe and, and by him and through him all things have been made. And he's greater than Moses and greater than the angels. And when he speaks, mountains crumble. And when he speaks, oceans, they, they calm. See, See, if we know who he is, you can't use the name in a way that demonstrates the utmost disrespect or lack of understanding. So you feel why God would ask his people not to use his name in a way that shows lack of respect? Because if anyone should have deep reverence and respect for God in this Old Testament context, it should be those people that walked through the Red Sea, right? If anyone should have a deep reverence and respect for God, it should be his people who stand on the other side of a bloody cross and an empty tomb and the promise to return to make all things right. Let me give you another illustration. Have you ever heard, and this, I, I hate saying this, but I think it, it helps. Um, have you ever heard a guy say to another guy, quit being such a girl? You ever heard that? I've heard that. Tragically, I've probably said that. I probably have. And, and in some contexts, we probably wouldn't bat an eye at that. Or let me say that differently. We should bat an eye at that. But in the past, maybe in some context, in certain conversations, you'd be like, ah, whatever, I'm not going to like stop and confront someone in their sin. You know what I mean? But let's think about that statement. Quit being such a girl. What is that? That's a devaluing of the female gender. Why? Because it's using the word girl or female or whatever whatever word we have that represents the, the female gender, it's using the word girl in vain. It's using the word girl to show a lack of respect for the female gender, as if being such a girl is a bad thing. Right? So, so when you hear the word girl or woman or female or, or speak that word, what should you be thinking? Well, biblically what you should be thinking is, God made male and female in his image. That's a profound reality that states that human beings, male and female, have profound worth and value because we've been stamped with the very representation of God himself. Our gender exhibits that. So God created the female gender, and it's, he says it's very, very good. So we don't flippantly disrespect the female gender by using the word girl as if it was something bad, or we can just toss that around. Does that make sense? That's taking the name girl in vain. That's taking the word girl in vain. Don't take the name girl in vain. Don't take the female gender in vain. Don't use gender words like girl, female, woman to show lack of respect for women. In the same way, 
the name of God has weight because of the name of God points directly to God himself. Again, if there's any word that we use flippantly, loosely, dismissively, may it never be God's name. Jesus, Yahweh, Lion of the tribe of Judah, whatever. There's names of God are, are, are long in the Bible. Like how backwards for us to think lightly or flippantly about the Savior of our souls, the one through whom all things are created, creator with a capital C. If there's any name we're going to use disrespectfully or flippantly or lightly, may it never be the name of God of the universe, Jesus Christ himself. So God, here's the point. Here's, here's the, the summary of why I think God takes this so seriously. is because God wants us to demonstrate by our speech, by the words that come out of our mouths, that we get it. That we get it. That we understand who he is. And if God's people who understand the depth of the gospel, if we use God's name in a way that shows disrespect, it just shows that we don't get it. And that, and that grieves the heart of God deeply. So is that, is that starting to land on you this morning? That landed on me this week as I was preparing. So, so I think this is why God puts this command in, in the top ten. This is why God is so serious about this. Because when we revere his name and respect his name, it shows that we know who he is. And it shows that we know what, he've, that, what he's done and we feel it. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just intellectual assent, but we feel it. And so that's going to correspond to how we talk, right? That's what God wants for his people. That's what God wants for his people. So let me, let me remind you of the gospel this morning, okay? The gospel's for lawbreakers. Do you know that? The gospel's for lawbreakers. The gospel's for those who type OMG in a text message. The gospel's for those who use Jesus' names as Jesus' name or any other name of God as a means of expressing frustration. The gospel's for those who, who failed to show proper reverence to God in the way we talk about God. See, Jesus laid down his life for those that break the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? Jesus bore the punishment that we deserve for failing to live up to this commandment. I was convicted this week. I have failed in this. I have not embraced the gravity and the weightiness of who God is in the way that I consistently speak about him. Those emotions haven't, I, I just don't think those emotions have landed on me as they should. If I know who God is and all that he's done. I've failed, you've failed, but that's not the end of the story because Jesus' death can pay for that sin if you come to him in repentance and faith, no hiding, and we own it and say, Jesus, I can't hide my sin. I bring it to you. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead to give me new life and putting your Holy Spirit in me. And then what happens? We move on to rejoicing. Right? Because our sins aren't counted against us. Romans 8 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then what happens? And then our love for God deepens 
Because he's captured our hearts so profoundly by his mercy, his love, and his grace, right? And that realization starts to change our lives so that when we read the Ten Commandments, we're like, not slavish fear and weight, like, oh, i got to get myself together. No, it's like, God, you've been so merciful, and so I love you so much. And so I read these Ten Commandments and go, man, this sounds great, because I just want to live my life to please you, because i got nothing to prove, Right? You've proved it all for me. And so then all of a sudden his commands don't, aren't a burden. They're just the pathway to life and joy. It's like, yeah, God, I, I know you've forgiven me and I know I've screwed this up. And so now I want to move forward by faith, knowing that when I do that, these words bless me. So, so let's move. Can, can we do that? Can we move through that progression this morning? as we come to the table and are physically reminded of these truths. May that be so. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for how it helps us, Lord. And, and we just ask for your help. We ask for your help, Lord. Where there's, there's, where there's conviction, may there be repentance and faith. Where there is um, just a eyes to see in a new way this morning. Lord, may it continue. Help us by your word and your spirit to have that continue. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we transition into...